five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. podcast on the internet that was the great andrew gold oh what a lonely boy closing out the uh midnight special the closing credits roll as uh the show ends there um what can i say about that track other than i think it's great and uh, it's a new addition to the uh, deep yacht playlist Yesterday, I added uh, three more tracks. I pulled one. As much as I love the track that I, I put on there and pulled, I had to pull it because there is a, I do have to adhere to a, a slight integrity to this list. It's a great track. It's Wake Up Everybody by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes with Teddy Pendergrass, which is a, it's a great tune. It's a great song to start a show off with, too. Wake up, everybody, because we're here in the morning. Uh, if you're watching later on, you're not here in the morning. You're somewhere else in the morning, but that's okay, too. There's no there's no uh, patent on or timestamp on waking up. You can wake up whenever you need to. Um, but Andrew Gold had, a, had another hit. He was not a one-hit wonder, Andrew Gold. He also had... Thank you for being a friend. So he was a lonely boy, and then he found his friend. And thank you. I was a lonely boy, and now you're my friend. And now I'm not lonely anymore. The one-two punch of Andrew Gold. I was uh, cruising through YouTube and found that a, a double a double yacht tundra. Actually, it's not a yacht tundra, uh, but a double yacht Sandwich. We'll call it a double yacht sandwich. Andrew Gold performing with America at the Ventura Center for the Performing Arts. So if you want to, if you want to get like super yachty, there you go. And the great Lou Rawls introducing the uh, the final act. The Lou Rawls was on the Midnight Special all the time. Lou Rawls was an interesting character. I don't know where to put Lou Rawls. He's not really a soul singer, but he's soulful. You'll never find, right? But there was, there was, also, there was always something incredibly white about Lou Rawls. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, he would always show up on the white people's programs. Like, he was like the safe black guy. He was, he was, he was like a non-dancing version of Sammy Davis Jr., who could dance like a motherfucker. Sammy Davis Jr. could dance. He could really dance. In fact, he's rated the number two top tap dancer of all time. 
I know this for a fact because I went through the top 10 tap dancing rankings of all time last night. I do these things for you. I, I navigate through the, through, the, through the narrow deltas in the swamps of the information super uh, causeway. See, I didn't say highway, I said causeway. Same with the water, an aqueous theme here. Oh, Jasper's in the green room today. You coming over? Come on, people are getting used to you now. Don't let him down. He's in the green room today. He's right over there on the other side. There. He's over there. And it looks like he's getting makeup done right now. I used to get makeup at, uh, at Gaia. That was fun. The makeup artist was cool. Nice, nice person, right? You, like, oh yeah, look, I look a little younger today. <laughs> that was always fun. Um, yeah, Lou Ross, Sammy Davis, second best tap dancer of all time. Of course, number one is the uh, Nick, Nicholas Brothers, and uh, they were the, the Nicholas Brothers were the tap teachers of uh, Gregory Hines. I went down a little Gregory Hines rabbit hole. Yesterday, do you know Gregory Hines and Michael McDonald have in common? The same astrological sign. They're both Aquarians. And that Gregory Hines is a weird chart. He has a weird end too. Okay, it's almost like I didn't I didn't want to see it because I really really like Gregory Hines. He's universally loved. I watched his last um, interview, and it was. Uh, he was talking about Venice, California, because he went from New York to Venice, California. All right, look who's here. Come on. Come on. Say hi to everybody. There he is, the astrological cat. Back on the case. It's great to have you back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Everybody missed you. Everybody loves you. Mm-hmm. And I do, too. And you'll get extra food for your work in the show. That's how, that's how it goes. Yeah, I'll give you something very good today as your reward for being an integral part. Like you're, you're the yacht cat. Anyway, Gregory Hines, very interesting last interview before he passed away. He died of uh, uh, liver cancer. Um, but his end game is weird. He dies in Los Angeles and he's, he's buried in this Ukrainian cemetery in Ontario, Canada. It's like, what is up with that? Why is he buried in a Ukrainian cemetery in, uh, in, in, in Ontario? Like, wow, this is weird. So then I found out that the last love interest of his life was this uh, female bodybuilder who was buried next to him in Ontario. So Gregory Hines grew up in Harlem, uh, learned tap from the Nicholas brothers. Those were his teachers. Um, his brother and his father formed a, first was the two brothers and the father joined in. They had like a, a family tap, tap show, tap team. Tap Act, and he actually was a, Gregory Hines was a, a pretty significant 
contributor Broadway and musicals. Uh, one of the musicals he won a he won a Tony, which is of course the equivalent of an Oscar in the Broadway world for Yubi, which was a Broadway play about Yubi Blake, the uh, piano player. So he was more Gregory Hines was kind of more of a Broadway person, but he spent a lot of time in New York. Um, and then at, at uh, I think in the seventies he moved to Venice, uh, California, no, Italy. And he was in a rock band called uh, Severance. I tried to find some recordings of Severance. There's an album, but I couldn't find any recordings. But he did have a number one hit on, what is the, is is it the R&B, like top 100 or something? Like they have these sub genres of 100s. And he was, uh, he he had a number one hit. And it was a song he did with Luther Vandross. And Gregory Hines could sing. I, I found a video of him performing with an orchestra in Europe. I think it might have been London. He could, he could, Gregory Hines was really, really talented. Very talented. But the end game is weird. And he had liver cancer for a year. Nobody knew. Didn't tell anybody, which doesn't surprise me. Sun, Mercury, Venus, all in Aquarius. You never get to really know Aquarians. They're the most friendly people in the world, but you never really get to know them. There's nothing wrong with that. But just when you think you know an Aquarian, you don't know an Aquarian because they're always up here, like the 40,000-foot view. Right, Jasper? You're not an Aquarian, are you? No, you're a Taurus. You're a Taurus. Yeah, oh, look, Jasper's getting tough. He's getting tough with me. Oh, Oh, you're a tough guy. He's a tough guy wants to fight. I used to fight with Jasper all the time, especially when he was younger. He had more of a spirit for fighting back then. I think he still get feisty. Welcome to the show. If you're uh, listening on the podcast, I'm actually tussling with my cat a little bit. It's great to have you back, Jasper. Um, I'm not sure what else I... Oh, Sammy Davis Jr. He was number two. The number three... Ranked tap dancer of all time is Fred Astaire. Uh, Gregory Hines chimes in at number four. Number four. Uh, Ahead of, on top of uh, Gene Kelly, Gregory Hines' contribution to tap was his unusual interpretation of tap. What more could you expect of of an Aquarian? but an unusual interpretation of tap, of course, are going to be unusual. That's how they roll. Right. And then I found a pretty interesting clip of uh, Gregory Hines and Stanley Clark, the bass player on Arsenio Hall. And Stanley Clark is playing his bass and Gregory Hines is kind of improvising to, to the bass lines of Stanley. It's, it's really interesting. Um, Arsenio Hall, another Aquarian, had a function and a role to perform for. He was super popular when he first started doing that show and raised the roof. He was really popular. And that was the same time around uh, who let the dogs out. People would bark a lot during, but then Arsenio Hall just kind of ran out of gas. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't evolve. He didn't grow. And just ask Jasper, you have to evolve and grow. Sometimes the evolution can be taken a few steps back. Right, Jasper? You had to take a few steps back in order to get back here. We're so proud of you. 
We're so proud of you. All right, so we're going to talk about Fauci today and a few other things, as always. Um, you know, there's plenty of things to talk about. Plenty of things. I have a, a quick aside. So I was talking with somebody last night, uh, booked a reading with me. And, you know, sometimes we, not we, but me, but I'll say we because I want to be inclusive here. Sometimes we we say things or do things, um, but I'm going to use me because this, this is about me. Uh, but let's say it's about you too. So in your head, it could be we. But in my head, it's really me and I'm being inclusive. So I was talking with this person who reminded me that I had done a show on Gaia. That was a long time ago, 20, I think it was a guy 2013 or 2014. Long time ago, like we're coming up on 10 years ago, decade ago. Wow, long time. And I talked about Russia and Ukraine. I don't even remember it. But apparently, I, according to this person, it almost makes me want to subscribe to Guy to go back and watch my shows. So I could I could see what I actually fucking talked about. Um, but apparently, I, I predicted the uh, Russia-Ukraine thing. Who knew? I guess I did. All right, let's go into chat. Who do we got? Uh, there's my man, Tom. Good morning. There's Ryan. Good morning back. Queen Lisa. Good morning to you, your highness. Sony is here. How do you all have fun? Are you leaving? You just got here. Beth Berry, double B, checking in at 9-11. Wendy says is here, the beautiful one. JMP Love, just watched some of yesterday's show, Chiron and Aries, for sure. Uh, let's see. I got plans for you, JMP, for the conference this year. I got plans for you. You're going to be JMP. Come on down. I'll reach out to you in private. Here's Fran. Hi, Fran. Fantastic. We're going to miss you this year. You'll be in our thoughts. Not that you're going to die or anything. Just because you're not there, you'll still be in our thoughts. Uh, Hucklebuck411, Chiron uh, says the longest in Aries and Pisces. Yes. Oh, my God. Chiron and Aries has been around for fucking ever. DJMC in the house. What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. Speaking of Michaels, there's Michael Pafford. He's here. Robert really needs his own radio station. I would be uh, KJAS. Welcome to the stimulating sounds of KJAS, where the yacht never docks. How about some Lou Rawls? You'll never find. He still is the like he was the safe. He was the safe black guy to have on. He and Sammy Davis Jr. were the safe black guys. Richard Pryor was not the safe black guy. By the way, that's how Gregory Hines got his start in uh, movies. 
he took a role that was supposed to be Richard Pryor's role, which was Mel Brooks's History of the World, part one, I think. And of course, Richard Pryor had uh, set himself on fire. Uh, so Madeline Kahn, who knew Gregory Hines from Broadway, said, what about this guy? And Mel Brooks said, yes. Another little interesting Gregory Hines trivia, he was offered the role of Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop, and he turned it down. Do you know why he turned it down? Because he took the role in The Cotton Club, which was a Robert, uh, Robert Evans production starring uh, Gregory Hines and Richard Gere. And hey, you know, The Cotton Club is in Harlem, and uh, that's where uh, Gregory Hines grew up. So it was probably a dream to be, have a role like that and own, a, you know, be a major kind of player in a club and tap dance and act. And, and I don't know if Beverly Hills Cop would have been as successful with Gregory Hines. What's interesting about that is uh, both Gregory Hines and um, what's his name? The other guy who's <laughs> the other guy, Nick Nolte. Thank you. They're both Aquarians. Nick Nolte is a very strange dude. I don't know if it would have been as successful. Eddie Murphy, uh, Aries. So oxygen and fire, air and fire. Anna Sophia, good morning. Good to see you here. Uh, another obscure gem from the 70s. Oh, what a lonely boy. Yeah, Andrew Gold. Miss Nakia, what's going on? Happy hump. I know. I even managed to get my trash out today before the trash man came. I always feel good about that. Um, I was watching a documentary on Richard Simmons. Been missing since 2014. I looked at his chart. So interesting. Yeah, you know that I've been... That's one of those things that pops up on the internet is like the, you know, the missing Richard Simmons thing. There's also a Mandela effect supposedly with Richard Simmons and it's the Richard Simmons with the headband versus no headband. Rad Chad, I used to have the midnight express show um, on DVD. You mean the midnight special? Midnight Express is the uh, movie where Billy Davis is trying to smuggle heroin out of Turkey and uh, gets caught. It has a horror story about that. I talked to my, uh, my, my good Turkish friend. Can I say that? Is, that? is that racist? If I define my friend as being Turkish, like I have a Turkish, like why isn't he just a friend? Why isn't he just a friend? Well, he happens to be Turkish. So I asked him about that movie. Because I give him shit a little bit. He never has anything bad to say about Turkey. Ever. Which is fine. It's where he's from. You want to be proud of where you're from, right? And I said, what about Midnight Express? He says, oh, no. The Syrians paid him. The Syrians paid him to write that script about Turkey. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, we do know that with movies, there are uh, 
There's a lot of poetic license that takes place. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's really weird about Richard Simmons. The DJMC for disc jockey. I would take Michael without 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 hesitating. I'd take Michael. Wouldn't have to think about it. Some people I'd have to think about. Uh, let's see. Is it true that some overbearing? Witchy woman captured Richard Simmons, Richard Simmons by assisting him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a Richard Simmons special. Uh, Robert should have a uh, captain's hat for the artifact. Oh, you don't think I have one? I've been saving it up for the right show. Don't worry. I got that covered. I got that covered. Michael, you, you've, you've read the collective mind. You scream, I scream, we all scream for ice cream. Are we into dark, dark yacht now? We're sort of headed into dark yacht waters a little bit. What's the date? The 24th. I would say yacht season officially, officially ends on the uh, 22nd. Sea Pines is here. Good morning, Sea Pines. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? They made neon signs for each appearance on the Midnight Express. JJ. What's happening, JJ? The Windy City girl. The Windy City gal. They say he's just a recluse. Neo the Wise. Ahoy, ahoy, ahoy. The Ship Out of Projectionville. I like that. Yacht Boy. Great song. Andrew Gold had some talent. Put that piano front and center. Tinkle the Ivories. That drummer, actually, in that tune was really good. He was, he was, he was good. He was crisp. Good timing. You know, the thing about a show like The Midnight Special is that with every band, you know, they have to uh, check sound levels and because they're playing all that stuff live. And that is not an easy thing to do. They got a live audience. They've got to move equipment in and out. They've got to make sure that everybody, you know, comes through. You got the right EQ. That shit is hard. And um, hats off to Bert Sugarman, the producer of the Midnight Special. Bert Sugarman, of course, also connected to, if I'm not mistaken, was that Bert Schneiderman? I think it's Bert Schneiderman, the monkeys. I think Bert Sugarman. It's a different Bert, different man. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Anybody else? Kathy. Play Wake Up Everybody. I'll play that tomorrow. I can stretch this thing out a little bit. Um, there's a there's a pretty good there's a pretty good version of it on because the the album version is seven minutes long. And there's a good version of it on Soul Train with Harold Melvin and the Blue Minute Notes. It's about uh, three and a half minutes long. Cuts it in half. So I might I might play that. Remember Teddy Pendergrass? Teddy Pendergrass was like uh, the sexiest man alive at one point. I remember going over to uh, my girlfriend's aunt's house. And um, I think she had three daughters. So, God, it was her her mother's her mother's sister. They couldn't have been more different. 
her, her mother, my girlfriend's mother and her mother's sister could not have been more different. It, it was like God said, you get the good girl genes. You get the bad girl genes. Well, Mars and Gemini. And I remember she had HBO on the TV and it was a Teddy Pendergrass special, like a live concert. And I knew about Teddy Pendergrass, but I wasn't really you know, that familiar with his music. I knew he'd been in Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. I remember, I remember watching him and he was like this fucking sex god. And he was playing it up too, man. Like the music was just created for Teddy Pendergrass to ooze his, you know, R&B machismo. And they would, they would cut away to the women in the audience and be fucking losing their mind. <laughs> and then he gets into a, a wreck, right? And the guy's like paralyzed. He becomes a quadriplegic. It's like, whoa. He goes from this guy who's this R&B sex god to a dude in a wheelchair. It's like, fuck, that's, that's hard. That's rough. Same thing happened to Curtis Mayfield, but Curtis Mayfield still performed, I think, or at least recorded, even in the wheelchair. Teddy was done. He was done. It's like, that's like such a massive fall, you know? Huge, huge fall. All right, who else do we have? Kelly B's here. What's going on, Kelly? Last few days, uh, Kelly, the the uh, unfortunate anniversary of uh, her mother's passing. Yeah, you, it's it's rough, man. It's rough. Thank you, Robert, for checking ranks on tap dancers. <laughs> It's a dirty job, but somebody's got somebody's got to do. There's a guy I'd never heard of. His name was Sandman, Sandman Sims. So his act was he would have like a like a box that he would stand on, and he would put sand on it, and he would do a version of tap and sand, which was I gotta say pretty fucking interesting. I liked it. He should have been higher. I think Sandman Sims should have been higher on that list. Like Sandman Sims was below Ginger Rogers. Although Ginger Rogers, you can't dispute the talent. She was really fucking talented. When you were a kid, did you ever want to tap dance? I wanted to tap dance as a kid. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing. I thought I could do that. I could make my feet sing. Uh, Oh yeah, we got Lisa. Let's do a little Lisa prop here in a minute. Kelly B, you are a warrior. Yes, you are. Your scorpionic courage is to be commended. Good to see our buddy back lately. I know, right? He's back over on the uh, side putting his cat hair on my my blazer. Jasper's got Lulu. Oh, did Lulu hear Jasper? Oh, good. Jasper's like the Teddy Pendergrass of cats. Except, unlike Teddy Pendergrass, he made it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jasper's a Teddy Pendercat. That's my new nickname for him, Teddy Pendercat. My dad is an Aquarian. That fits him too. You never know with Aquarians. You just like never know. You think you know, you don't know. 
my doggy Bree is a Taurus. You know a Taurus. You know a Taurus. Yeah, he is feeling better. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? The needy paws. Yes. Hey, uh, Chris and Seaver. Hello. Quick hello. Just dropped Maury. Don and Maury off at the airport. And need to reset the space. I'll editorialize on that last part of the comment. Arsenio Hall uh, was second too. He was supposed to have that show. It was Frank Zappa's show until the network got scared of Frank and replaced him. That would have been scary. Frank Zappa with a late night talk show. That would have been... Uh, he, Frank Zappa is an interesting character, and I'll just leave it there. Um, let's see. Uh, Robert, I go back and watch your old interviews and predictions. You're amazingly accurate. Well, I'd like to think that uh, I hit on a few things along the way. And you know what? We're going to stay in this game. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? I wish I could bring my homemade astrology wheel that can fit 10 JMP, we're going to talk. We are going to talk like in the next 48 hours. I'm, I got I got plans for you. Uh, let's see. Who else we have here? Eddie Murphy got lucky for that one, huh? I don't think it would have worked with... You know why? I tell you, I'll tell you why it wouldn't have worked with Gregory Hines. Because Gregory Hines is too likable. Eddie Murphy is not always likable. Like in that movie, he was not likable. He was, you know, a wisecracking, street smart, show-offy guy. I just, I don't, I don't think Gregory Hines could pull that off. He's just too likable. Like Axel Foley needs to be kind of an asshole. That's not Gregory Hines. Uh, Who'll Stop the Rain? Is, that is a really good movie, TJ. I'd agree with that, with Nick Nolte. It's the little things. Midnight Special, my bad. No Turkish heroin smuggling. Yeah. Although, who knows what else they did there with, uh, with the Midnight Special. Anybody else? You're the walrus is here. What's going on? You are. I don't want to, I don't want to leave anybody out. Oh, Anna Sophia was a tap dancer. That's so cool. Ray Bulger, the scarecrow was an amazing tap. He didn't make the top 10. He did not make the top 10. Sadly, Bill Bojangles Robinson, you know, the guy that was with Shirley Temple, he was in there. Here's a little Bill Bojangles Robinson trivia. Bill Bojangles Robinson held the record for many years. I don't know if he still holds the record for running the 100-yard dash backwards faster than anybody else. You can look that up. Uh, we're going to end on Equicentric, who says, Teddy Pendergrass, born March 26, 1950, uh, Aries' son, Moon and Cancer. 
Poor Teddy. Poor Teddy. Did not have a good end. But his peak, pretty amazing peak. His valley. All right, let's take care of some business. We got to give our girl, Lisa, some prop, some uh, some love. She's in a tough part of the competition. And the reason she's in a tough part of the competition is uh, twofold, threefold, fourfold. Um, so you're getting down into the winner's zone, right? So she's going against people that have already won some stuff. That's number one. Uh, number two, I'll say the quiet part out loud. And this was suggested to me by a um, friend of the show, Hope Easton, who believes that there are elements inside the competition. Um, this is really important here for her, okay? That they may have some ringers inside the competition. We're not saying it's fixed but we're kind of saying it might be fixed. So let's go here. Let's get out the vote. So receive two times uh, the votes for the next 15 hours. So if you vote within the next 15 hours, uh, that means, well, let's see, 24 hours would be uh, 9.50. So tomorrow, 9.50, what is 15 hours out from that? Be sometime in the morning. So you have until the morning. Well, I guess if you voted after midnight, it would consider you could get another two votes in. So between now and the like the beginning of tomorrow, if you're in the U.S., you vote twice, Lisa can get four votes. So let's see if we can get her out of ninth place. Man, we want to see our girl hit that stage and uh, do a, a rendition of Sweet Freedom by Michael McDonald. No, she can do whatever she wants. But let's get, out, let's get out the vote. I'll vote. I'll make sure I vote twice, today and after midnight. Um, the other piece of business that we always cover here is the sponsor of the show, and then we're going to get into the show officially, basically almost an hour into the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes it goes, it goes this way. It just kind of goes this way because that's how these things go. You guys have such a lot of interesting input into the uh, content of the show. You're like my not, you're like my not so silent partners. Okay. Let's do a little true ham science. You know, I was, uh, I sent Chris a, a text last night and I had, uh, the text was a very alarming text. And let me see if I can just quickly find it on my phone so I don't have to go on the screen. Hold on a second, let me get in here. All right. Um, so let me read you the text, it's, it's pretty disturbing. And this comes from um, Fox 46, which is in the Crimmies neck of the woods in North Carolina. 
It says North Carolina Queen City News, local businesses who sell hemp and CBD fear their sales may be nearing an end. Lawmakers in Raleigh are not making progress in extending an expiring law that allows uh, those businesses to operate legally. We've seen this coming from miles away. We've been fighting it. We've been saying it's coming. We've been begging these senators and representatives to, to support us. Co-owner of Crown Town Cannabis, uh, Sim said, standing inside his warehouse in Noda, I guess it's a district. Sims is surrounded by thousands of dollars worth of legal cannabis products. We have a lot of people that have put real effort, real money, their life on the line for this plant and for this movement. Since getting the green light in 2018, Sims has grown his business into four retail stores and a distribution center and a vision to expand. When the clock strikes midnight on July 1st, it could all be shut down. So how old is this? This was June 29th. Let me just see if I find an update. We got to stay current here. Um, hold on. Give me one sec. Let's do this. Okay, so there you go. Hemp CBD is set to be permanently legal in North Carolina. So this is they had, um, so it's good. It's good. Oh, this is so they took it right up to the fucking eleventh hour here. It says North Carolina ban on CBD hemp goes into effect Friday, as Bill still sits in Congress. And then that was the twenty eighth, and on the 29th. they voted on. So they voted on it. So good for them. North Carolina senators voted to legalize hemp and CBD at the last minute. So we got good news. Good news. So that just happened at the end of uh, June, beginning of July. So two months in, congratulations. We don't need setbacks like this. We found a product that can really help people. And uh, I have to make sure, well, Chris is probably watching the show anyway. But um, so what do we want to do, right? We want to support the people who bring us the product. Because those people ultimately make up the network of people who could pool their resources together to fend off any challenges to this wonderful product that has been life-changing for many people and pets in uh, this country and some places around the world. You know, we have it pretty good here because you can't get high-quality CBD in Australia. I mean, I talk to people who watch the show and they wish they could get some of the gummies so that they can go to sleep at night and some of the other products as well, which are effective in their own right, you know, different uh, functionality. So if you go to uh truehamscience.com backslash ref backslash 23, 
Uh, you could go in and check out all their products uh, for you, for your waking hours, for your sleeping hours, for your pet. Chris has some other things there as well. He make, he uh, produces a pretty potent fulvic acid, which is really important for... So if you do like a metal detox, you got to come back with that fulvic acid because that'll just bring you right back up in terms of mineral content. Um, but I say detox, like metals detox more than anything. So if you get $100 worth of product, you'll get some product thrown your way. Just put in 15MINS, capital M-I-N-S, in the uh, checkout box and uh, lets Chris know you came through this portal. You're going to get that product. $150 or more, you get free shipping. So a big round of applause for uh, the state of North Carolina for at the last minute passing that uh, that bill and that ordinance. All right, let's talk about Dr. Fauci Stein. And let me see if I can let's get this post very quickly um, because I'm going to play this one post and uh, or this one clip and it's Dr. Fauci sign on Neil Cavuto. He does the show Cavuto at large. And I'm going to show you uh, the clip. And I'm also going to read you something that has a little inside baseball about uh, Fauci Stein. It's kind of interesting. Well, it's more, I think it's very interesting. It's not kind of, I'm not, let me, that's a mediocre cell. I think it's very interesting. Um, let's go here. Let's start here. Let's do a little screen share. Let's see Tony Fauci. You know, Neil, I'm very supportive of your journalistic efforts to retain my uh, integrity. Look at him. By the way, Neil Cavuto, uh, born September 22nd. Here we go. This is Dr. Fauci sign defending his position, not only defending his position, basically saying that, um, try coming after me. Try coming after me. You'll get nothing. Here we go. So uh, this wasn't a way to avoid uh, Republican investigations if they take over the House and or the Senate. Oh, Neil, not at all, not even a little bit. I mean, I have nothing to hide and I can defend everything I've done and every decision I've made. So I'm not afraid of that at all. That didn't even come in as a minor consideration. So even if they were to ask you, doctor, to testify as a private citizen now that you would be open to do so? Yeah, of course, Neil. I mean, but if you look at what's happened in the past, I believe that oversight is an important part of the government process. But some of the things that have gone on have been out, outright character assassination. That's not oversight. So if they want to get into legitimate, dignified oversight, I'd be more than happy to do that. So 
All right. Why do you think Fauci Stein is so confident in his ability to defend his position? Let me read to you something I found in relationship to that bold proclamation. This is from somebody who apparently worked with Fauci and has some inside baseball. So I'll be reading this to you verbatim. The guy is highly intelligent. He is the world's best office politician. I know he has done illegal things. I won't say what or how it was done. But at the time, I agreed with it. So this is, he's basically saying, hey, I was there, right? Somehow I morally justified it and looked the other way. That is not uncommon. This is what happens with people when they know evil is being perpetrated. They have to morally justify it because if they don't, then they are a co-conspirator in the per perpetration of evil. So the shit has to go on inside their head to make it okay. And I looked the other way. But other than one of his close aides, no one can prove he knew it and there is no paperwork to tie him to anything wrong. When the AZT study he headed went bad, and Deborah Burks tried to get me to fake the data, Fauci would not be in the room. He was in every single weekly meeting with her before the problems became known. Okay, so Burks in charge of the A AZT plan. We talked about AZT yesterday, um, how it was essentially used to decimate an entire population. And they knew it was not going well. It was not going to go well because they have this, even back then, they had pretty sophisticated computer modeling, software programs that can figure things out. So Fauci's in all those meetings as things are, you know, not going the way that they had hoped to go. I'll keep, I'll keep reading here. When the AZT study he headed went bad, and Deborah Burks tried to get me, not me, but the guy who's writing this, to fake the data. Fauci would not be in the room. He was in every single weekly meeting with her before the problems became known. Then he wasn't. So before everything started to go south, he was no longer in those meetings. He sat in his office with the door open and he heard everything, but said nothing. When I went to him later to tell him I wouldn't change the data, he said nothing. The next week, he told my employer, the Orcand Corporation, that they wanted me off the project. That was fine. At that point, I was still the senior IT consultant, but I'd moved back to the DOD and Secret Service projects, and going on the NIH campus was a hassle anyway. When the lower IT consultants could not make the illegal changes to the software code, Fauci tried to get me back. He wanted to talk to me over dinner. 
And I didn't want to deal with the pressure I knew was coming from Fauci, Bitch, Burks, and NIH, that I quit or can't. Never had that dinner. Soon thereafter, Burks and Redfield were investigated for their failures on the AZT project because the software was too complex and no one could fake the data. Burks and Redfield were reprimanded for their failures, but Fauci knew early on there were issues and he did nothing. He knew Burks wanted me to fake the data and he did nothing. Fauci let them take the fall. Yes, I knew there was an investigation and I did not cooperate with the investigators. I didn't want to hurt the many good people that Burks dragged into it. So when Fauci says he could prove he did nothing wrong, if he is the same Fauci I know, we shared the same NIH office for years, then you can't discount the probability that he has covered his tracks well. On the other hand, he is 80 years old, and I can tell from his interviews and testimonies to Congress, he is not the same Fauci I knew back then. Now, that's an interesting statement. Is he a different guy? Like, is he just completely a different guy? Or is he just degraded because of age? So the last sentence here is, he may have made mistakes. But the, you know, the overwhelming sentiment here is that uh, Fauci was very good at not being complicit. He figured shit out, right? He would be in on things in the planning stages, the ramping up stage, and probably after the initial launch of something, he would leave. So he couldn't be tied to the project. And that's just one project. And he threw Burks under the bus. He threw Redfield under the bus. You know, he tried to get this guy to uh, fudge the software data, couldn't do it. So that, you know, couldn't, couldn't like mess with the software so they can mess with the data and get different results and show the world that it was actually working. It, it didn't. In fact, it was completely opposite. So he's smart. He's a Capricorn. Um, I believe he's two degrees Capricorn. Super, you know, that's why he's around for such a long time. This is the this is the story of Capricorn. They're there forever. Um, so, Dr. Fauci Stein, when he sits down with Neil Cavuto and says, "You know, sure, I'll do it. I got no problem with that." There's there's a reason why, because he's so fucking clever, and he's been doing this for such a long time that he's a master at covering his tracks. Now, he doesn't like the personal attacks because he can't defend those. He can turn them back on his attacker uh, by saying that it's a threat to him. It's a threat to his family. Uh, it's dangerous. He can do all those things. But there's probably a pretty good chance that even if they somehow drag him you know, into a congressional hearing, if theoretically there's an election and if theoretically things flip and there are plenty of Repu it's not, a, it's, this, this is not a, um, but this is not a partisan slash bipartisan issue. There are plenty of Republicans that have taken really, really big drug money. So they're not going to, they're not going to throw him out there. You'll get a few, maybe you'll get um, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, 
who seems to be one of the few people who is and has been looking at the um, the injury rate and the mortality rate around the mRNA vaccines. One of the few. Like even Rand Paul, for all of his medical acumen and uh, bold confrontation, doesn't bring that up. Ron Johnson's the only guy that really, I think Chip Roy might have mentioned it one time, but really it's been Ron Johnson. And that's the big issue. But can they trace it to Fauci? Mm. Probably not. And then even when you go back and you look at what's on video, and there's clearly a a trail on video. There's there's it's not a paper trail, we'll call it a digital trail on video, where uh, Fauci says, don't worry about it, then worry about it. You don't need to wear a mask. You can, you know, the only mask that'll work will be a, a N95. Oh, wear a mask, right? Two weeks to stop the spread. The vaccine will basically be the cure-all for COVID. And then it's, well, if you get the booster, that's really going to, you know, make sure that anything that we miss with the first shot is taken care of the second shot, then the booster, right? Oh, and COVID won't, the vaccines or the mRNA injections, you know, they won't uh, prevent you from getting COVID, but they'll keep from dying. So even there, he just keeps moving the goalposts. So there's, there's never a definitive stance or definitive statement. It's always moving that they always do that. And then you go back, well, when we got more data and we found that the data was, um, was, you know, changing and the proliferation of the spread of the mutation uh, was uh, taking place in a vector that we, we, we had not considered. Then of course we had to re uh, readjust our, uh, our expectations. They can do that shit every day, 24 seven. So I don't think that he's anything is going to happen to him. At least not in that way. There is a, a bigger justice that is at work in this universe. Maybe not always on this planet, but in this universe, there's there's a much larger justice. I've seen so many examples. Oh, look who's back. Are you here to testify? Yeah, you're here to testify. I've seen a lot of examples where people got their just desserts. And even the ones that are the most highly insulated and isolated from any kind of... Um, either oversight or, um, you know, punitive punitive actions based on whatever they've done. Eventually, they get something coming. They do. Isn't that right, Jasper? Except for you. You haven't done anything wrong. You have led a life of purity. Except when you would turn on Rosie every now and then. He would turn on Rosie every now and then. She would lick him. She would, you know kind of do all the things that she loved to do. Eventually, he'd just turn on her. He'd stick his teeth in her neck. Was it too much for you? Was it too much for you to handle? It might have been too much. 
It might have gotten back into his kitty trauma from when he was on the streets of San Francisco. And he had to get tough. It's like, I can't accept all that love. You're doing a pretty good job of it now, aren't you? So Dr. Fauci signed on. I don't think it's going to. But again, the, the, the wheels of justice, the cosmic wheels of justice do turn. And at some point, that little fucking worm is going to have to deal with it. At some point in time, he's going to have to deal with it. Who knows? Maybe it's going to be on his deathbed. Maybe he's going to pull an Anton LaVey. If you know what I'm talking about, Anton LaVey, just before he died, saw the pits of hell and knew that's where he was going. And he freaked out. He freaked out. You know who else did the same thing? Joe Stalin. Joe Stalin, before he died, was like in the minutes before that, he was freaking out. He knew where he was going. So maybe that's, that's, but will we be there to see that? Look at Jasper. He's, Jasper's in a feisty mood today. You're feisty, Jasper. You know. Will we see it? No. But trust me, there is a cosmic justice in this universe. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here because we did talk about Dr. Fauchestein. And I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring something up. I lost two followers yesterday. I was up to 1,400 people and three of them dropped. I really don't care. I really don't care. I think it had to do with my, my Greta Thunberg retweet. I just think this is fucking funny. It might have been this. Some people might have considered it racist or insensitive. Can you guys see this? When Disney makes a movie about Greta Thunberg. I'm sorry. I laughed so much when I saw this yesterday. Greta is actually more attractive black than she is white, I have to say. She's she's a lot more attractive black than white. So if you're listening on the radio side I'm, you're, or the streaming side, this is one of the most politically incorrect uh, memes you'll see. But it's true, though. That's the, that's the, the sad and ironic part about it is that uh, the meme is true. All right, but that's not what I wanted to bring up. Let's see, what do I want here? There is, there's a story that I replied to, which has some um, local ramifications. Where is it? Right here. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up. So this thing that's happened in Gillespie County and Fredericksburg is starting to go viral. And what I'm talking about is um, how everybody on the election board has stepped down because they're going to fucking trial. And these people are playing the victim card in a really significant way. 
really, really significant way. I'm going to read this story. I'm going to show you. So what they're trying to do is it started here, right? They had some local coverage. And then San Antonio picked up on it. Now the Houston Chronicle has picked up on it. And this guy, Paul J. Weber, actually writes for the Associated Press. So this is a story that either the Houston Chronicle contracted him to write or he wrote it specifically for the Houston Chronicle. I don't know where the chicken and the egg is here, but he's not a writer, a staff writer for the Houston Chronicle. And maybe they use him and employ him. So the guy that you're seeing here, uh, and if you're not watching, um, <clears throat> there's an image. And this guy is Mo Saidi. And um, Mo is, he's an interesting character. <clears throat> um, clearly he's patriotic. He's got a red, white, and blue shirt on. It's kind of, it's kind of a nice shirt. It's a collar shirt with buttons. Uh, it's American blue with white stars. And he's got the red stripes going down from his uh, left shoulder across his left breast and kind of a, a swooping slight curve down to the waistline. Now I know Mo and let me give you the, the, the good side or the good story about Mo. The good story is that this guy is an absolute numbers whiz. He was able to do a PowerPoint presentation to show how uh, property tax is not linked to property valuation. He did this. It was brilliant. Spent a lot of time putting it together. And basically, he told the city that you're raising property taxes is not only borderline illegal, it is clearly immoral. And you can only get there through being able to crunch these numbers. And so he's really good at that. Um, he was also able to determine uh, water usage over out in uh, Boot Ranch, which is excessive. And they passed an ordinance here in this uh, this city, I think around, I think 2014, right around there, where the current mayor was the mayor at that point in time. And so they passed this uh, ordinance to essentially take city water and then send it out to Boot Ranch. They literally had to put a line all the way through town and run a line out to Boot Ranch, which is not a part of Fredericksburg. It's it's an unincorporated part. So it's in the county, but they're getting Fredericksburg water and they're getting it at a obviously reduced rate. Well, you know, for them to bring the water, they didn't have to do anything. They did not have to do anything. And not only did they not have to do anything, but because they're unincorporated, Fredericksburg does not have the ability to gain any tax revenue from Boot Ranch. Boot Ranch is a place that has a lot of wealthy people that like to, you know, live the uh, the golf course life because that's what's out there. So again, Mo did something around the numbers and the volume of the water and uh, was able to, you know, prove that, hey, this is a problem. And one of the city councilmen, Bobby, Bobby Watson, 
Yes, I know. Bobby Watson has an Airbnb. He has an Airbnb in town. What? You want an Airbnb? You kind of have one. You're kind of living in one. Yeah, you are. Um, so Bobby, when there was a vote to extend the historical district so that the city could have more oversight and say into how and what people can do to their homes so that it can retain the integrity of their historical district, Bobby recused himself. Yes, he did. He recused himself because, well, I have a place there. Well, that's great. But when there was another vote in relationship to Boot Ranch, I believe on another issue, Bobby did not recuse himself. And yet that's where he actually lives. So anyway, again, Mo brought this up and pointed it out, pointed out the hypocrisy of it. So he's the chairman of the Gillespie County GOP. He speaks outside the county courthouse Wednesday, August 17th in Fredericksburg, Texas, on the brink of November's midterm elections. Both full-time election workers in rural Gillespie County suddenly and stunningly quit this month with less than 70 days before voters start casting ballots. So this is how this is the lead of the story. Oh, there's another, I have another part of that story with Mo. It's not nearly as um, respectful and glowing as the one I just shared. So I'm not going to bring it up though. Let's just say that it includes me and when I ran for city council. I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. Part of why Terry Hamilton says he abruptly left his job running elections deep in Texas wine country is by now a familiar story in America. He became fed up with the harassment that followed the 2020 election. But this is this was no ordinary exit. On the brink of November's midterm elections, it was not just Hamilton who up and quit this month, but also the other only other full-time election worker in rural Gillespie County. The sudden emptying of an entire local elections department came less than 70 days before voters start casting ballots. By the middle of last week, no one was left at the darkened and locked elections office in a metal building annex off the main road in Fredericksburg. A, vo a Your Vote Counts poster hung in the window by the door. A scramble is now underway to train replacements and ground them in layers of new Texas voting laws that are among the strictest in the U.S. That includes assistance from the Tex Texas Secretary of State, whose spokesperson could not recall a similar instance in which an elections office was racing to start over with a completely new staff, but the headaches don't stop there. The resignations have more broadly made the county of roughly 27,000 residents, which overwhelmingly backed former President Donald Trump in 2020, an extraordinary example of the fallout resulting from threats to election officials. Officials and voting experts worry that a new wave of harassment or worse will return in November fueled by false claims of widespread fraud. Hamilton, who has clashed with poll watchers in Gillespie County in past elections, said he didn't want to go through it again. That's the one thing we can't understand. Their candidate won heavily. Hamilton said, but there's fraud here. He declined to discuss the nature of the threats in a phone interview, referring questions to the county attorney who did not respond to a phone message. Gillespie County Sheriff Buddy Mills and neither his department nor police in Fredericksburg had received information about threats from election officials. So let's just deconstruct that a little bit. What this guy does is he basically says, I'll read the second paragraph here. 
The resignations have more broadly made the county of roughly 27,000 residents, which overwhelmingly backed former President Donald Trump in 2020, an extraordinary example of the fallout resulting from threats to election officials. Officials and voting experts worry that a new wave of harassment or worse will return in November, fueled by false claims of widespread fraud. Hamilton, who has clashed with poll watchers in Gillespie County in past elections, said he didn't want to go through it again. What do you take from that? So what you take from that, if you're a casual reader, and by the way, in journalism, there is something called the, in, excuse me, the inverted pyramid, right? So you, you start at the top of the story and you have the most important facts at the beginning. And as you go deeper into the story, it winnows down to the least important. Theoretically, it's called, this is this paragraph is called the lead, right? It's a lead. Like I studied journalism. This is the lead paragraph. And in here, you have to have the who, what, why, where, and how. He doesn't get to the who until paragraph, let's see, two. Is that right? Terry Hamilton. What does he talk about, Terry Hamilton? Uh, 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 uh. Scramble voting, Secretary of State, widespread fraud, Hamilton. Oh, okay, here we go. My bad. Here it is. There's the lead. Part of why Terry Hamilton says he abruptly left his job running the elections. So he, there's the who, right? This is the what. What happened to him? Why? He gave me a fed with harassment. Where? Deep in, so classic, right? But that's the first thing you read. But this was no ordinary exit. On the brink of November's midterm elections, not just Hamilton. So if you're reading this, what are you, what are you inferring? You're inferring that Terry Hamilton is the byproduct of the same kind of harassment and the same kind of animus that took place in January 6th. That's what this is saying. Then you keep going further and further and further down, right? Further down, further down, further down, further down. And he says, uh, that's the one thing we can't understand. Their candidate won heavily, but there's fraud here. So then you go into, he declined to discuss the nature of the threats in a phone interview. You know why? Because there were no fucking threats. That's why I had Jeanette on my show on Friday. And this guy, Terry Hamilton, is going to fucking court in October, okay? He's going to court. And I will be there. I will be there for that trial. And I might even stream live from that trial. I'm going there because I want to see this motherfucker. So he, so he referred to the county attorney. This Daniel Jones, who will soon be the county judge, He's not going to say anything. You know why? Because there were no threats. Gillespie County Sheriff Buddy Mills said neither his department nor police of Frederick to receive information about the threats from election officials. That's all you need to know. If there were threats, then why didn't you call the cops? Why didn't you call the sheriff? You know why? Because you'd be fucking Jussie Smollett. That's why. And this is what he is right now. He is a Jussie Smollett. Him and the other woman who 
abruptly quit. Well, they quit because they know that their ass is in the fryer. And the reason why Terry Hamilton is having to walk away has nothing to do with the 2020 election. It has to do with what happened in 2018, 2019, and the absolute abysmal treatment that he gave Jeanette and Angela and Tanya, three people who were out there. And I was out there too. I, did, I wasn't there when the cops were called. Terry Hamilton called the cops on Jeanette three times. He's the one that was harassing people. He's the one that called the cops. Classic example of inversion, right? He is going to blame the people that were actually involved in the process for the exact same thing that he was doing. This is classic. They're going to go on the offensive. He's not going to talk about it. Why? Because it didn't happen. Nobody hassled him. The only hassling he got is that he's going to have to get up and go to a fucking courthouse in Austin. That's the only hassle that he's going to have to go through, period. And it's going to be a big hassle for him. Why did he quit? Because there's probably a really good chance that they got the goods on him and they got the goods on what happened in the vote counting process. And he knows it. So he's trying to spin this as being a victim. And they're trying to turn this into a story that looks, smells, and feels a lot like January 6th. And it's nowhere even near that. You guys saw, most of you saw Jeanette on my show on Friday. Jeanette is the least aggressive person you will ever meet, ever. She's persistent. She's doggedly persistent, but she's not aggressive. She's not going to go over to Terry Hamilton's house and, you know, put it, put a dead animal on the porch or anything. Like, she's not going to do that. Not even close. Nobody associated with that would ever do that. These people, I know them. They are, quote, unquote, you know, God-fearing Christians slash Catholics. They're not going to do that. That's not how they play. And yet he's crying wolf about harassment. The reason why this is problematic is because the story is starting to bubble up. It's in Houston, right? When does it go and hit a national level? As the trial gets closer, right, they may take it up. They may take it up a notch. Although, good luck with getting Terry Hamilton on CNN or MSNBC. He'll be a terrible interview. And it will not be um, sufficient to aid their cause whatsoever. What do they say about Moen here? Hamilton worked under Anissa Herrera, the former county election state administrator, whose resignation was first reported by the Fredericksburg Standard Radio Post, a fucking commie rag. I was threatened. I've been stalked. I've been called out on social media. She told the outlet. It's just dangerous misinformation. Did you file a police report? The departures pile on the examples across the U.S. of how death threats, harassment, and unfounded accusations have driven local election officials from their job. 
this is such a fucking hatchet piece. Oh, you got to get some Beto in there. Oh, we love you, but he was in Fredericksburg. I was going to go see that, but I decided not to. Saidi believes funding played a role. They had some differences and they couldn't come to closure. They decided in frustration, just quit, said Saidi, who also serves on the county's election commission. Uh, it wasn't just funding. More Beto. More Beto. It's like, let's use this as an opportunity to push Beto. And then we have the come and take it. Right, that's... that's um, August 17th. So this whole thing is being portrayed. Bunch of bullshit. What is this? Hamilton said deadlines in his old office already created. They didn't think we did anything. He said, now they get to see what we did. That's an interesting statement. So what he's referring to is, well, people um, don't think as election officials we did anything, but they're going to see how hard it is. But that statement is really interesting. They didn't think we did anything. Now they get to see what we did. Yeah, I'm sure they might. I I'm sure they will. Let me just show that to you guys here. I sort of went off that screen a little bit. That's what he says. Hamilton said deadlines as old officer already creeping up. They didn't think we did anything. He said, now they get to see. We so what they did here is they use this. Now they're like using this as a positive spin on Beto. I'm going to high five you. You fucking dork. What other pictures do we have here? They're the bad people. Any other pictures? Come on, click. There's the good people. I'm so gonna vote. Guess that's it. So what we have there is a classic case, misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda. They use the whole thing with these election officials. And I'm going to say it right now. I don't care if the guy sees this or hears this. It's my right to say it. And it's on Rumble, whatever, right? That's happening live. He was a fucking asshole. He called the cops on Jeanette three times. Then as the election official, you saw it on Friday, he changed the path of approach. So literally Jeanette could not, and this is by law in the state of Texas, you can talk to somebody as they're walking in and say, hi, I'm with, you know, clean water, Fred. Don't, don't be, don't, don't forget that there's an initiative on the other side of the ballot about fluoride. If you don't want fluoride in the water, right. Vote. Yes. If you want to keep it, vote. No, that's all she could have to say. Right. Doesn't get more complicated than that. He thought that she was harassing people. Three times the cops came and then changed the approach. You could not park where Jeanette was, which was 100 feet away from the entrance. <clears throat> you had to park in this other area, 
which meant that if Jeanette was going to talk to them, she'd be in violation of the 100-foot rule. He did that on purpose. And then they had, and she didn't say any of this, but they are, they've got some significant evidence that the chain of custody with a lot of these votes was broken. 400 votes did not have his signature. And now he's going to trial. And now he's crying wolf. And now they're using this to demonize these people. And, they're, and it's like, here we go. On the front lines of America, good guy Beto, bad guy Trump people. They're radical. They're the fringe. They're the biggest threat to America right now. This is propaganda, I'm telling you. All these people are doing is standing up for their so-called rights. That's it. That's it. That's all they're doing. And it's being used against them. It's being weaponized. So Terry Hamilton, in ending here, is no Tony Fauci. No Tony, no Tony Fauci. He's got plenty, plenty of uh, skeletons in the closet. Not a great office manager or office politician. I'll leave it at that. So yeah, the trial's coming up. If you if you haven't um, donated to Jeanette's um, fund or cause, um, you know I'll leave the I'll actually put a link uh, today in the uh, show notes, which I usually put after the show, and uh, you know try you know try to help her out. If you already have, thank you for doing that. If you haven't, you know anything can uh, you know help her out to get to that magic 10K number, which she has to get to in order to fully engage these lawyers so that when they go into court, um, you know, they're locked and loaded. Oh, should I have said that? You want to be locked and loaded when you go to court? Well, not unless you're Angel Davis and the Black Panthers. That would not be a good thing. All right, I'm out of here. Um, thanks for being here today. As always, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say it when possible. For myself and the golden one, Mr. Jasper, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day and bye for now.